Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thank you, Jackie, and uh, good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to see you here today, and uh, a special welcome to you if you're watching us online on uh, Facebook or YouTube. Why don't you uh, make a comment and uh, just let us know that uh, you're with us. Uh, that's uh, an encouragement to everyone, I think, when, when you do that. So uh, please do that if you're able to do so. And uh, uh, again, it's uh, great to uh, be together either physically uh, this morning or uh, digitally as, uh, we watch, uh, as you watch from home. Um, I'm going to lead us in prayer now and then we're going to have a look at that passage from Ephesians that Jackie so nicely read for us. So let's pray, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for uh, the scriptures. We thank you for this uh, word uh, that we have uh, from you this morning. And uh, we pray that as we look at this passage that uh, you would be uh, helping us to uh, understand the passage, understand your plan and your purpose for, for us, for who we are as a church and how you would have us be. And Father, that uh, we would grow to maturity uh, as a result. And so we pray these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So how's your church going? 
that, that's a question which uh, a friend of mine asked me on Friday. Uh, he lives in Sydney and we're um, catching up with one another on the phone. And I think it's a good, good question. Uh, it's a question which you might find uh, that occasionally someone asks you or that uh, you might have occasion to ask a Christian friend as well. How's church going? But how do we answer that question? I know for me, sometimes it's a little bit difficult and I, I tend to uh, um, find it easier to talk about the more, the more tangible aspects of church life. You know, those kind of things that you can kind of attach a number to, uh, like, for example, um, how many people are coming to church physically on Sundays? Or how many people does uh, YouTube and Facebook tell me have been watching online? Or um, how many people have actually joined the church during COVID-19? That has happened, which is wonderful. Uh, of course, there's the other question of how many people have disconnected from church during COVID-19. These things, you know, and there's others, aren't there? Um, but these things are the kind of the tangible things, the things which you can, you know, to some extent you can put a number on them. And it's not a bad thing to talk about numbers uh, because, after all, uh, we, um, we should all want more people to be coming under the sound of the gospel, for more people to be putting their trust in the Lord Jesus, for more people to be uh, engaging with and, and becoming a, a part, true, genuine parts, members of God's church. and God, We want God's kingdom to be growing. And that's numerical, isn't it? And we see this uh, in the Bible itself in uh, various different passages. But, for example, uh, in, um, in, in Acts, when Paul preached the gospel in, in Ephesus... Uh, do you remember that he preached firstly in the synagogue, then he uh, preached in the, the lecture hall of Tyrannus? And uh, we're told that uh, uh, whilst preaching the gospel, teaching the word of God in the lecture hall of Tyrannus, that many people, heard, so many people listened to Paul and uh, perhaps then told their friends what they'd been taught, that we're told that the whole, every person, Jew and Gentile, that every person in the whole of the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. How about that? <laughs> and they didn't even have live stream to do it. Uh, it was all word of mouth, um, physical stuff. And so um, that, those numerical things, growth um, is important. And yet in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, when Paul wrote about... Um, church growth, uh, his focus is not, not actually on numbers, his focus is on maturity, uh, is on maturity. It's less about, which is actually less tangible, isn't it? It's, it's less difficult to quantify, it's less, dif it's, it's, it's harder to quantify, it's harder to attach a number to. Maturity as a church and as we uh, flip open our Bibles now at Ephesians chapter 4, I think it's worth thinking for a moment about what church actually is. What, was it, what does it mean? I mean, when we think of church, we, sometimes the most natural thing is we think of a building or we think of a, perhaps a denomination or an institution. But in the Bible, uh, it actually means a gathering 
Now, the original uh, Greek word for church is the word ecclesia. And uh, it's an interesting word because what it means is out from called. That's the literal translation of ecclesia, out from called, or uh, to put it uh, more clearly, called out, <laughs> called out. And, and that's, uh, that's what the word originally meant, called out, and it came to mean a, a gathering of, of people, of any group of people, and, and it makes sense, isn't it? Because when you want people to gather, what do you do? You, you send out an invitation, don't you? you? You call people out. You call people to come out and to gather. And you know, that's what God has done for us. Um, have a look in verse 1. Paul says, as, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling, the calling that you have received. Um, what is this calling? Well, friends, through the gospel of Jesus, God has called us out. <laughs> he, he's called us out from, from sin. He's called us out from being ruled by, uh, by the evil one, by Satan. And he's called us so that we are now called out and we are gathered. We are gathered as a new people, uh, a people of God. And that's what church is. You know, in the Bible, the, the word church can refer to that uh, great heaven, heavenly gathering, that uh, great gathering uh, in the heavenlies of all people who've trusted in Jesus from, from every nation, from every language, from every race, from, uh, from, from all over the world, from every, every, every period of time, that great heavenly gathering, which is represented and which is reflected in uh, the local physical gathering of people who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, people like us uh, here in Port Macquarie. And God calls all sorts of people to join his new community. I mean, uh, the church in Ephesus, you know, it wasn't exactly the most natural blend of people. <laughs> Let's face it. I mean, there was there was Jews and there was Gentiles, and you know, and these people, uh, Jews and Gentiles, had been separated. They had been divided for for centuries, for for generations, and uh, they had different, very different cultures, very different ways of thinking, very different backgrounds, and now they're all in this together. <laughs> They're all in it together. In fact, uh, Paul in chapter 2 of Ephesians described them as, as fellow citizens and as, uh, as members together of God's household. And that's great, isn't it? That's terrific. But you know what I've learned in life is that when you bring um, people together and form a community, um, especially a community with such, such diversity... Sometimes there's going to be misunderstandings. <laughs> Sometimes people are going to tread on each other's toes. Sometimes there's going to be tensions. Now, you know what they say about the perfect church, don't you? What do you do if you find it? You don't join it. <laughs> because if you join it, you're going to wreck it. Because you're a sinner. And you're going to ruin it. And so, of course, uh, sometimes, you know, the, the, um, the, those in the, in the Ephesian church... 
They clashed with one another. And that's why in verse 2, Paul had to spell out what it means to live a life which is worthy of the calling they have received. Check it out, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. (laughs) Completely humble. (laughs) You know, uh, it's hard to be humble sometimes, isn't it? When, when do you find it most hard to be humble? Well, there was actually a song written about that. <laughs> you know the song? How does it go? I'm not going to sing it for you, but it's, uh, it's not a Christian song, but it says, Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking every day. <laughs> that song's a, a bit before my time, I've got to tell you that. Um, but, you know, when is it hard to be humble? Well, you know, when, it's think, when you think a little bit more highly of yourself than you ought. Um, you know, when we think that, you know, life's all about me and my desires and my aspirations and my plans. And, and sometimes, you know, that's still a part of us and we can bring it into church life. You know, very often in church life, particularly when you're serving in a particular role, you know, we've got to remember that the, the gentleness and the humility um, with which we treat others is often actually more important than the actual thing that which we're doing. Uh, because when we treat one another with love, um, God's character is truly reflected and, and God is honoured. Um, but when we treat one another unlovingly, well, we're actually not living worthily of the calling that we've received. And so Paul says that we should bear with one another in love. And sometimes, you know, bearing with with one another, um, that can be hard, can't it? But it, it uh, it takes understanding, you know, perhaps trying to put ourselves into the other person's shoes. Understanding, it means, you know, being patient with the person who is maybe you know, treading on our toes a little bit. And it means actually thinking of their interest and trying to help them. It might mean praying for them, talking to them, but, uh, but actually patiently uh, helping them to make um, just small steps uh, in their faith and, and towards greater maturity. And it's very different, isn't it, from being critical and being divisive and so on. Uh, it's important that we be united. But why? Uh, why should we be so why, why should we, we be so committed to unity? Well, it's pretty simple, really. If you check out verses uh, three through to six in the text there, there's a particular word that comes up about seven times, and it's the word one. Did you notice that? Um, the word one, you know there is one body, there is one spirit, there is one hope. There is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism, and there is one God and Father over all. You get the message? There is one. That's the idea, isn't it? You know, if, you, if you're someone who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, then the same spirit who lives in you uh, also lives in the next person in church and another person in church. 
and every person in church uh, who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the spirit which is in you is in all of us. And, and there, is not, um, there are not different hopes. You know, there's not one hope, one future for Gentile Christians and another hope for Jewish Christians. There's not one hope for poor Christians and another hope for rich Christians, no. Um, and in verse 4, there is only one body. Uh, and within that body, there are many parts. And there is, there is rich diversity. There's all kinds of people. There's people from different backgrounds. People from different ages. There's people from different, um, different uh, races. There's people with different personalities. There's people with different abilities and, and so on. And that's the richness. You know, I, um, I, I love eating a baked dinner, don't you? I mean, you know, it's so sad that the whole concept of the Sunday afternoon roast lunch has disappeared, hasn't it? <laughs> and if you're having a roast lunch, to, good on you, that's great. But, you know, what do you really like about a baked dinner? You know, what's your favourite part of the baked dinner? Is it the roast lamb? Is it the, um, the mint sauce? Is it that rich gravy? Is it the, uh, the crispy um, baked... You're getting hungry now, aren't you? There's crispy baked potatoes. Uh, or is it the, uh, the, the sweet um, roasted pumpkins? You know, uh, what is it? That, uh, imagine that you, you took all of that and you took each of those different parts of the, of the roast dinner and you put it through a blending machine and you make, turned it into a puree and you drunk it. Well, imagine that. I mean, yuck. Same ingredients, very united, but absolutely zero diversity. No diversity at all. And friends, the body of Christ is like that. In Christ's body, there is unity but there is also diversity. God has made us all different so that we can serve one another differently. Check out verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And that is why it says, um, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Wow, there's a lot in that. We can spend a whole sermon on that passage. But um, the basic idea is this. Paul is quoting from, um, uh, from Psalm 68. And Psalm 68, the pictures God as a, um, as a victorious, triumphal king um, who uh, is able to distribute uh, what he's taken as gifts uh, for his people. And uh, Paul is saying that that actually points us to Jesus. For Jesus who uh, descended and, and through his death, um, but he also was res resurrected victoriously. 
is now able to pour out, he's able to distribute uh, the gifts, the bounty, if you like, of his victory to each one of us, to every one of us. Which means that if you're a Christian, then God has given you a gift. Now, it may not be an upfront ability. Um, we can't all do upfront things all at the same time. Um, it may not be, and that's not, church is not a, 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 a service provider client kind of relationship. It's not a spectator sport. Um, but God has given each one of us, uh, in some way, uh, some aspect about us and our abilities and who we are, which we can actually utilise for the benefit, for the blessing of other people in the church. But, however, in verse 11, Paul does mention some specific gifts. Uh, he says it was he, uh, referring to Jesus, who gave some, some to be apostles, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Uh, why? Well, in order to prepare God's people for works of service so that, the purpose being, that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, notice here that the gifts which Christ gives are actually people. God has given us the prophets and apostles, some of whom wrote the scriptures. God has given us evangelists and pastors and teachers who help us to understand the gospel, who help us to understand the scriptures and to live them. But what is the purpose? Indeed, who does the ministry or the works of service? Um, it's all of us, isn't it? Uh, the role of the pastor teacher is to prepare God's people uh, so that they can do works of service, um, so that uh, each of us grows and each of us uh, is able, is equipped to be able to serve God. To serve God by, because we know the gospel, we can actually tell uh, others about the gospel. Uh, that, uh, we, because we know God's word, that we can actually be nourishing each other in God's word. We can be praying for one another. We can be caring for one another. And that means that uh, the whole church is engaged organically in this um, role of serving, serving one another. And so that ministry is multiplied and the body of Christ is far more, far better built up as we all engage in serving one another. Until, as Paul says in verse 13, we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we do this until, which means it's a work in progress, isn't it? It's ongoing. But have a look at the goal there, what Paul thinks is actually about the purpose of us engaging with one another and ministering to one another. You know, um, I've mentioned before that I once pastored a church where the minister before me, who was minister for 17 years, um, didn't actually believe that the Bible was the word of God. Imagine that. And they stuck me in there as a young green pastor to sort out the situation. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, I've got to say that there was, um, there was great diversity in that church. There was great diversity in the church. There was diversity about um, beliefs about God, about who he is and what he's like. There was diversity in beliefs about Jesus and why he came. There was uh, diversity of belief about what it means to be a Christian. People were free to believe whatever they wanted to believe. In fact, the church was working through a vision statement at the time when I was there. And one of the elders phoned me up one day and he said, Scott, I've got the answer. I said, to what? He said, I've got the vision statement all worked out. I said, really, what is it? And he said, this is the day. And I said to him, and? And he said, that's it. I said, what does it mean? He said, that's the beauty of it. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> and that was an expression of that church. They were very, there was a lot of diversity there, and diversity was cherished. Diversity was, flat, was, um, was celebrated. Um, everyone was free to believe what they wanted to believe except me and Cassie. <laughs> because we kept on being critical, being criticised for teaching what the Bible says. So that was not a mature church. Uh, it had been around for a long time, but it was still, I'd say, just a baby church, just really in its infancy. God's goal for the church and for our truth, our church, is that uh, his, his truth should be taught with clarity um, so that um, and an error would be exposed but that we would all be nurtured, we would all be being fed God's word uh, and that we would be therefore equipped to be feeding each other with God's word and encouraging each other uh, in the gospel and growing as Christians so that the gospel would shape our thinking, the gospel would shape our lives, the gospel would shape us as a church. And although we are different that we would actually be as one, united as one body in the gospel. That's very powerful, isn't it? Because a church which is like that is a church which in uh, verse 14, um, Paul says that it's like a ship that's actually going to arrive at its destination, <laughs> that it's not going to be blown off course uh, by every wind of you know, false uh, teaching and false teachers. Instead, in verse 16, it's like a body which is healthy and growing in maturity. Think about how we grow our children. Um, you know, Cassie and I have got a couple of kids and uh, they started off really small and we just fed them water and gave them stuff to drink. And uh, now they're giants. <laughs> uh, one's over six and a half foot tall. But that's how God, God's church grows. It's through feeding each other the word of God and we actually grow in maturity in the Lord. With Christ as the head of the body and with each member engaging and contributing in love to the rest of the body. So we're all growing together in maturity in Christ. So, how is church going? You know, when friends ask me that question, I, I praise God that I'm actually able to say to them that in our church there's, 
there's a high degree of, of unity in the gospel. Um, we may have our disagreements um, from time to time, uh, which we should work through with humility and with patience and with, um, uh, with grace, bearing with one another in love. But we're not divided, are we? You know, we're not divided on the important issues of faith, like the authority of the scriptures, or the divinity of Christ, or his death for our sins, um, and his resurrection. Uh, we're not divided on what it means to be a Christian, and uh, what it means to live in, in, in accordance with the calling that we've received. Uh, instead, what I see in our church, and I you know, see it here on Sundays when we're gathered together as I, I see a church which is actually hungry for the word of God. Um, during the week, I see a church which people are actually engaging with one another in Bible studies, uh, in small groups and teaching each other and encouraging each other in the Lord. I see the gospel um, being taken into some of our schools to literally hundreds of students every week um, during school term through members of, of this church. I see mums and dads, you know, so obviously teaching their children um, about the Lord and about the gospel at home because I can see the fruit of that in their children's lives. And I see older members who are just absolutely inspiring because of their continued faithfulness to the Lord over many, many years, uh, even in lockdown. So when my friend on Friday said to me, Scott, how's church going? I was able to say to him, well, actually, um, right now, we're doing September in the Psalms <laughs> together. That's something, if you're a part of our church, we've been doing that. Uh, we've uh, all got a, a booklet, and uh, a booklet with uh, every day, we, for 28 days, we have a different psalm that we're all reading together, and uh, things which we're praying together for, and even every person in our church is being prayed for by most other members of the church during September. Three households uh, a, week, a, a day being prayed for, being prayed that we would uh, understand the gospel more, that we'd be more committed to the gospel, that we'd be growing in Christ. And that's been wonderful, hasn't it? And uh, if you're not part of that as yet, um, give us a call and we'll get a book to you. And if you're here today and you don't have a book, there's some that are at the door. You can just grab one and take them. It's only 28 days, isn't it? But you know what? It's actually like a snapshot. It's a snapshot of who we are as a church. It's a snapshot of how we need to be ministering to one another as a church. It's a snapshot of what it means to be encouraging each other so that we all grow together in unity in the gospel of Jesus. And become mature in him. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for um, uh, just the way that your word uh, feeds us, uh, that your word is so clear and so um, engaging and it's really the, the food of life. Father, we pray for each one of us that we would be uh, growing in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus and growing our knowledge of you and growing of what it means to live according to the calling we've received and we would be engaging with one another and encouraging and challenging and stimulating and nurturing and praying for one another 
that we would all grow together in maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Now, we're going to have a song sung to us. And if you're at home, uh, you can sing along as well.